Hey everybody, this is Tom Salemi at the MedTech Talk Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We had a visit with old friend John Norris. John, of course, is the Managing Director at Silicon Valley Bank, and he is the master of data. He gave a uh, great presentation at our uh, our sister conference, OIS, at ASRS uh, last week in San Francisco. So I had a chance to catch up with uh, with John, follow up a bit on his presentation but we really spoke more broadly uh, about MedTech, about where Series A uh, money is coming from, about what M&A and IPO um, opportunities look like going forward, and what areas uh, within MedTech might be ripe for kind of a, a quick domino roll-up uh, in the future. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with John Norris from Silicon Valley Bank. This is Tom Salemi at OIS-TV. We are here at OIS at ASRS, and I'm here with John Norris, Managing Director of Silicon Valley Bank. We've let you hydrate after your presentation. I know you always put a lot of energy into, uh, into the day. It's quite a workout. Yes, yeah. yes, I know. Feeling it's a, better now. <laughs> a new aerobic uh, regimen. So, so give us the good news slash bad news. Where are we in the, in the life sciences venture world? So, you know, when I, when I look at what's going on in the world, uh, I sort of I focus very much on venture healthcare. So that's biopharma, medical device, and tools and diagnostics. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I look at the first half of the year, a couple things that are pretty interesting and on the good news side. One, you continue to see a lot of investment in the companies. That's, that's good news. You know, venture funds went out and fundraised over the last few years. They all have plenty of capital to put into new companies. So we see lots of investment, and specifically on Series A, both device and tools and diagnostics have funded more Series A companies the first half of this year than they did all last year. Wow. And on, on the biotech side, there's a huge amount of investment into, into companies uh, last year for biotech. There were about 75 companies that raised $1.8 billion in Series A financing. And you look at the, the numbers halfway through this year, we're on track to get over 100 companies and close to $2 billion invested in those companies. And so it's kind of shocking when you think about it because last year you saw these crossover investors really sort of start to come into these Series A financings mm-hmm. with the idea that, okay, we're going to get a toehold in, we'll invest a little bit of money in, and we'll push them out as an, as an IPO. And this in Q4 and then into early this year, we've seen the crossovers really retract from the market. So they're doing a lot less investment than they did last year. Yet, Series A is garnering more dollars than ever. So where is – I keep hearing how much the venture industry is suffering and how the model is broken, particularly on the medtech side. I'm a medtech guy, so that's kind of like being an old-time Red Sox fan. (laughs) You've got your brain looking in one way. But are things – that rosy or in the venture world or are there other investors coming in and kind of filling that gap that we weren't anticipating would come in and fill that gap? You know, I think it probably makes sense to to look at each of those sectors individually. Mm-hmm. You know, on the biotech side, you're seeing lots of exit activity last year, lots of IPOs, lots of M&A activity, lots of crossover investments. So that sector is feeling really robust. And, you know, maybe last year a little frothy mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the amount of investment into the sector. Um, but I still think that that sector is feeling really good. On the device side, you know, we were seeing a real 
decrease in Series A activity over the last few years, which made me very nervous because actually on the M&A side, uh, the, the numbers of deals were on the, for acquisitions were actually fairly stable. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing stable M&A and then Series A sort of falling off a cliff. And you're like, well, how is this all going to work? Because you, know, you need to have new Series A companies for fo- folks to buy right. or else at some point there's going to be no, no gifts under the Christmas tree. <laughs> and so, so seeing this in 2016 with more Series A investment, I think that's good. What we've also seen in device is, you know, in the going back like a decade, you could name like five or six VCs that did almost the vast majority of Series A investing in device. Mm-hmm. But now the list is so diverse. It's not just your typical venture folks. You know, you're seeing some corporate, but you're also seeing a lot of family offices. You're seeing LPs that used to invest into venture funds still doing that, but also do targeted investment directly into companies. And then you're seeing some even uh, PE-focused folks coming in and start to invest That's in amazing. the Series A side. Because so, yeah, much you're right. more diverse. If, if you look at the roster of venture firms and say you want to come out here and set up a meeting with VC firms investing in MedTech in the Valley, which I was going to do, it's not a huge list. And But you're right. The, the money is still coming in there. Why have we sort of – I don't know if this, your data would tell you this, but why have we sort of moved beyond the, the venture model into early-stage MedTech in uh, in allowed or enable these other entities to kind of come and invest. What, what sort of happened there? You know, I think part of it is is just related to a a function of how long it takes these investments to get to exit. Sure. Uh, when you look at biopharma, you know, biopharma it, it, from the moment that you have an asset and you start to do uh, preclinical testing and get into the clinic, you know, the time to get. A commercial product is pretty long. I mean, you're talking 10 to 12 years. You're talking a lot of investment. Um, On the device side, it's shorter time and shorter investment. But what the interesting point is, you started to see exits change around 2009. And you saw what used to be late-stage biopharma M&A start to become early-stage biopharma M&A. Mm-hmm. And so the time to exit for biopharma started to come down significantly. And there were a few years uh, over the last three or four years where it averaged four to five years from the close of Series A getting to either an IPO or M&A. Wow. So these companies obviously don't have you know, phase three data in hand, they're early stage companies with really compelling data and an interesting technology that's yielded exit. And so I think what happened is the venture folks that saw this and said, you know, would I rather put more money into a company that's going to exit quicker? Um, That sounds pretty good. And when you look at M&A on the device world, the vast majority of M&A happens for companies that have CE mark and then get FDA approval. They raise a commercialization round and they start to ramp revenue. And that point is when the acquisitions start to happen. And so because of that, the time to exit in device is actually longer than the time to exit in biopharma, which is counter to to what you would think based on the development lifecycle of those two sectors. But that's sort of what happened. And so investors are saying, okay, I have this capital to deploy in a finite amount of time. Where am I going to put those dollars? And a lot of folks were doing both biopharma and device, and you just started to see the the scales tip to more dollars going into biopharma because those were exiting faster. Hey, everybody. Tom again here. Thanks for joining us on the MedTech Talk podcast. Wanted to remind you to go to the MedTech Conference website. Sign up for the MedTech Talk newsletter. It's, uh, it's the best way of getting this podcast and all our original MedTech coverage sent directly to your inbox. So go to medtechconference.com. Just give us your email, and uh, we'll get you all the data you need for MedTech. 
Now back to this interview with John Norris. Now it's a story we've heard before, and you're right. If you're going to get out of a company in four or five years, you'll do that deal all day long. But the family funds, the corporate funds, yep. they're not giving their money away. They obviously expect to make money back from there. Are, do they just, are they just more patient and they're willing to wait for that deal, or do they see something that the VCs are missing, or perhaps they have other personal motives to to back up to, to invest in those medtech startups? Yeah, I mean, I think a little bit of it is philanthropic and and personal mm-hmm. motives of of they see an, an area that is uh, close to the the benefactors of that fund's hearts, and they're like, okay, I'm very interested in that sector. Uh, it, I think it's also combined with not necessarily being as IRR driven mm-hmm. as your typical venture fund. And then thirdly, I think the, the fact is that they have probably seen that there's less investment in the sector. So if they are trying to strategically make bets, then you have you know M&A being constant and investment going down. You know there's there's a better better probability of those device deals getting acquired. Mm-hmm. And I think you're, you're starting to see some of the venture folks get more back interested in that sector. There are a few firms that in the past fund. You know their percentage allocation to, to device was fairly small, and now they're ramping that up quite a bit. Because when you do think about it, you know what's what's the story for wanting to invest in device? You know, one, you know, less companies, so you have your pick of the technology. Mm-hmm. You have pretty much your pick of the the founding team. You have your pick of valuation, or at least it's very investor friendly, and you have constant M and A. So when you put all those things together, it sounds like a pretty good time to start investing early stage in M&A for device. But um, you know, what people worry about is how long do we have to wait for those companies to get to exit? Yep. Will there finally be a flurry of early stage acquisitions? And we sort of saw that last year in 2015. You saw a bunch of mitral valve with one ophthalmology deal thrown in that were all development stage mm-hmm. that happened in a quick succession. And so it's great to see that because that starts to get people excited again to see, you know, very quick exits with compelling early stage technologies and device. But, you know, coming back to 2016, it's sort of come back to the later stage exit so far this year. So I think we're going to continue to see those flurries. Um, The more that we see them, the more interest there's going to be in investing in early stage device. But as, as you say, it's sort of a mixed bag. You're starting to see more investment in Series A, which is good to see. Mm-hmm. And you continue to see M&A um, to be a fairly good constant number, which, again, you know, goes back to you know, device is a, really, is a really interesting sector to invest in. No, and that that's, makes me happy to hear that, uh, that the good times are still ahead. We had our MedTech conference in May, in June, actually, June 1st. It was a very positive feeling. It feels like people have sort of adjusted to the new reality. And they're moving forward and and uh, and finding ways to to invest in companies. But within ophthalmology, you mentioned some of the M and A. I mean, we saw some great deals this this just this past quarter. Uh, the Infocus acquisition, mm-hmm. pretty impressive. If all those rentals come to be, Migs has been a, obviously a hot space overall. Uh, is ophthalmology uh, is it representative of medtech? Is it an exception of medtech uh, in that it is getting M and A activity? And yeah, the companies are older than four or five years in some cases. But again, the payouts are pretty robust. Yeah, and I think, I think they're, they're getting their fair share yeah. is what uh, the feedback would be. It's not, uh, you're not seeing six to eight 
ophthalmology deals getting acquired on a yearly basis. It's maybe half of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think when you look at since 2013 by indication for you know biopharma and device together, you know which indication has the most exits. Ophthalmology comes in at number four, which you know is good yeah. when you think about. I'm looking at probably about 15 different indications. So number four looks pretty good. And when you look at Series A and you're seeing about 18 or so Series A companies that I came up with since 2013 that have a primary focus on ophthalmology. So, for example, a biopharma that has you know, oncology as their first asset and they have something for ophthalmology behind that, I, I'll classify that as an oncology company. Mm-hmm. So missing out on a few. But you know, 18 of those since 2013, and you have about that same number of IPOs and M&A during that same period of time, makes you feel like you know, this is a pretty attractive sector in terms of you know, getting these companies to exit. Going forward, looking ahead, do you anticipate your report next year uh, to be, will the first six months continue the second six months? Do you think we're definitely in a, in a cycle, or was it just a particularly weird first six months, I don't know, for the election or whatever reason, is there some sort of anomaly that, that drove the uh, the activity this year? Yeah, I think overall the venture healthcare sector, 2014 and 15 were really, you know, just amazing mm-hmm. years from the types of exits that were being, ha- that were happening, the number of IPOs that went out, M&A was very solid. But what I'm thinking about for the year 2016 is, you know, in biopharma, M&A, I think is going to be at least the same level as 2015, you're just going to see IPOs dip down. Mm-hmm. There's going to be less IPOs. I'm thinking maybe seven to eight IPOs per quarter in the biopharma side. In med tech, I think yeah, M&A should be similar to what we saw in 2015, but IPOs have really sort of fallen off. Yeah. It really takes a very, very strong commercial story, a uh, big ramp to, to think about accessing the public market. And there's, there's probably a few that might do that this year. Um, we haven't seen many. We're seeing some reverse merger activity and then financing on top of that, mm-hmm. uh, but not your classic IPO. Uh, but I do think the M&A will continue to be solid. Um, it would be my hope that be another flurry of early-stage acquisitions in device in the second half of the year, but really it's hard to, it's hard to know that. Uh, what, what typically happens, these flurries happen with one acquirer acquiring an early-stage technology, mm-hmm. and you sort of have that follower mentality of the three or four folks that have an interest in that particular area saying, oh, boy, I better grab my next best technology out there to make sure I'm not missing out. And so you saw that in the mitral valve area mm-hmm. last year. And so it's my hope that you see that again this year. But it's kind of hard to do that, uh, it, you know, try and make an estimate based on time for sort of a flurry of acquisitions. It just depends on when that first acquisition happens. But overall, I'm feeling pretty good about the sector and pretty, pretty good about venture healthcare. I think fundraising is going to be down a little bit this year, and that's really just a function of so many firms just raised in the last couple of years. And you had a firm like Orbamed that raised within two years of their last fund, which would have normally put them in maybe a 2016 cycle, but they raised in December of 2015. Mm-hmm. That throws things off. And then you have big firms like NEA that has a huge percentage of their, uh, you know, it's maybe let's say close to a billion dollars sort of focused in, in making investments in healthcare. And that was a fundraise that was 2015. So 2016 might not uh, reach those numbers, but I still think that when I think about the LP community, there's interest in the healthcare sector. Mm-hmm. So those firms that are out look like they're going to be able to close. And I think overall, we're, I'm feeling very bullish. Great. And that's a great way to end, but I refuse to end it because I want to ask this question. Okay. Looking at the numbers, 
do you see a, a sector that maybe has a lot of startups that maybe are, are primed to be that that hot sector where one goes and then the dominoes just kind of fall? You know, I think I think AFib and uh, and you know neurotech mm-hmm. on the device side are probably really interesting on the flurry side. Um, you know, I. I'm not as close enough to ophthalmology to pick a subsector within ophthalmology that is that's hot, but I know that you know there continues to be interest in that sector. Sure. But if yeah, if I had to guess, I'd say probably AFib or uh, somewhere in the neuromodulation area is where you're going to see your next flurry of early stage acquisitions. Terrific. Well, we'll hold you to that. Thanks for taking the time today, John. Thank you. Hey, John Norris. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for taking a few minutes at OIS at ASRS. Uh, to our MedTech Talk podcast listeners, thank you for joining us. If you want to catch uh, John's presentation, uh, Trends in Private Company Financing and Exits, you can go to our sister website, ois.net. It's the website for our Ophthalmology Innovation Summits, and uh, we'll have a video of John's presentation up there shortly, along with a lot of great other great content. So uh, thanks again for joining us on the MedTech Talk podcast. If you could do a couple of things for us before you go, or as soon as you, uh, as soon as you go, uh, just uh, rate the podcast. Just uh, let us know how we're doing. Go to iTunes. Uh, give us a little rating. Spend uh, 30 to 35 seconds writing up a quick review. And uh, feel free to uh, to email me directly. I'm at tom at healthogy.com. It's the word health followed by the letters E-G-Y dot com. Uh, healthogy is the company that produces the MedTech Conference and the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit and OIS conferences. So, We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear feedback on this podcast and our other events. And, of course, you can also reach me on Twitter. I'm at MedTechTom. Lots of way to get get in touch with me. I hope you do. And uh, tune in next week for another tale of innovation from the MedTech Talk podcast.